you? I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey, you, welcome back to the Women With Fire podcast. It's a big day because we've got Katie Richardson here. So this is Sarah Allred. I'm your host today, and I'm sitting across from another blonde five foot, what? How tall are you, Katie? Five foot four and a half. Five foot four and a half. (laughs) Okay, so you're a giant compared to me. I kept thinking we were the same height. (laughs) Darn it! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm a solid 5'1", but we are nice. sitting across from Katie Richardson. Now, she is someone you need to know. Someone I met last fall and has been a game changer in kind of how I approach my day-to-day since I have learned a little bit about her. So I Katie love Richardson, it. she is a powerful speaker. I've heard her speak. That is legit. She's an author. She's an elite coach for high-performing entrepreneurs who are up to big things. She is known as the mother of four who saved parents around the world with her brilliant baby bath, the Pudge Tub. I have one. Yay. If we're ever in the same room, I want you to sign it or something. It'll go down in history. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's a big thing. So in less than a year, she built a multi-million dollar international company from a sketch and a giant leap of faith. So listeners, are you so intrigued? Don't forget the faith. Well, they probably it's are big component. The, the multi-million, and let's talk about that leap of faith. So today she's coaching powerful entrepreneurs who are committed to making huge impact in the world. So Katie, I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for joining us. Sarah, and all of you listeners, ladies, I am so honored to be here and just so excited to share my story with you and inspire you on your journey. So that is what is marvelous about you, Katie. And because our listeners are no joke and they want to know about your journey, I'm going to dive straight into what you have been through. So something really big happened to you last May. But before you reached that point, you became a multimillion dollar international company with your husband. What the heck? Tell us about the punch tub. (laughs) Okay, well, let's start from the very beginning. You just need to know that I... Like probably so many of you, I really valued education. I had a college degree. I had always dreamed of being a mom and having a family, and that was kind of my desire and my passion. And I found this really cool guy in the design program at BYU, got married, and started working a little bit. And honestly, it was just like months into it that I was like, I think I want to be a mom. I'm ready. And we have our family, and here I am, 24. I've got a young baby and I'm this really capable person as a designer and yet I just, I really felt like, oh wow, wait a minute, what did I do? <laughs> like, I'm 24 and I did all those things that I wanted to do, but now what? Like, is this is this it? And that was, that was um, kind of a wake up call for me. It was just like, what if my family, this beautiful baby that I now have, needs me to provide for them. And I am day by day kind of losing these skills that I'd spent so much time developing. And it kind of woke me up. So did you feel guilty feeling that way? That like, I've got this sweet baby, now what? Like Totally. Yes, absolutely. I felt guilt. There was this voice that, oh, you just need to be grateful that you have this healthy, happy baby, that you have this beautiful marriage and you should you need you should be happy with just that absolutely I heard that voice all the time Sarah so how did you know that wasn't God speaking to you um because he was constantly putting opportunities in front of me like so frequently and I was hearing his voice from other people who were speaking to me I could tell you countless stories I'll tell you one specifically this was kind of how I became an entrepreneur I I loved making things, and so I was making things for my kids. And at this point, I had two kids, and I was just shopping in a local children's boutique. And this woman comes up to me. She grabs me by both shoulders and says, like kind of frantically, 
where did you get all this stuff? It's totally hot. And she was referencing a hat and shoes and blanket and carrier that my kids were all using and I was using. And I, in my very insecure, unsure voice, I was like, oh, thanks. You like it? I made it. Thanks. I'm glad you like it. And she's like, I don't just like it. I love it. She said, I go to all the trade shows and this is hot. I want you to make it for me. And I immediately started to kind of push her off. I'm like, oh, you don't understand. I'm just a mom. I don't make things for people. I don't have a business. And I really kept pushing her off. And she was super insistent. And she finally looked me in the eyes and she said, I understand that you're a mom and that you love that. But one day, those kids are going to be in school. And you're going to find yourself with a little bit of time on your hands. And you're going to say, I wish I'd done something about this. And it just like pierced me, pierced me. I was like, oh, wow, I don't want to live with that regret. I don't want to, you know, like in 10 years realize I never did anything with those gifts and talents that I spent so much time developing that God wanted me to develop, that he gave me and that I just let it sit there. You know, there's those scriptures about developing your talents. And it's something that I, I knew I could just feel it that he wanted me to continue to do that. And I had her voice. I had so many other people. I had a global creative director at Nike that was like, hey, these things that you're making are really cool. We should manufacture them together. And I was like, what? Just constantly opportunities were being dropped in my lap, Sarah, that it was almost ridiculous. And I finally just said, okay, fine. God, if you want me to do this, um, I need your help because I don't know how to be the mom that I know you. Oh, I get emotional. I don't know how to be the mom that you want me to be that I that I want to be and be an entrepreneur. I didn't know how to do it. And I looked around and I was trying to find somebody to model that after. Oh, I didn't know that pain was still there. I looked around and I was like, is this possible? Like everybody I, I looked around and I saw as successful in their business to me, they didn't have the, the family life, the personal life, the connection with God, whatever it was. There were pieces that for me would have been missing and I didn't want that. It took tremendous amounts of faith and trust for me to start moving forward. So this, thank you first for your candidness, because I have no doubt that six minutes into this podcast, you've got listeners who are there. Oh yeah. Right now. And yeah. I, I hope that they are people who have not found you yet because now they have found you and they yeah. they have someone that they can model it after because that is such a raw feeling for any woman who is holding a baby to say I'm going to give my energy and my time somewhere else like yes how does that make sense and you're sitting here talking about Nike approaching you and about this lady approaching you like <laughs> This, this does not happen to normal people. It doesn't happen to normal people. So what would you say? First, let me interject here that I have seen you speak. I have sat by you. I have high-fived you. And you are one of the most dynamic, assured, you can do this. Like, if you ever want to coach, Katie's the girl for you people. Okay? <laughs> like, she's the real deal. So it shocks me that you would be in a boutique and that you would be like, oh, no, I, I'm a mom and mom's rock, you know, but just to see you feeling yeah. that way shocks me. So I know you're obviously a different person now than you were back then. But what do you say to that person who's listening, who's having their in the boutique shop moment, who's feeling called, we call it the quest, who's getting called on a quest. Um, we call it that at Women With Fire. Like, what do you say to that person that's feeling that? I love this question, Sarah, because it is so easy for somebody to look at me and say, well, she's confident. She has those skills and abilities. She knows what she's doing. And my response to that woman is, you can do it, and I believe in you. And the whole reason I know that you can do it is because I was you. That was me. The voice in my head was, who do you think you are? If this was such a good idea, somebody would have done it by now. Um, there's no way that you can do this and raise a family at the same time. I had all those voices of doubt in my head. Um, I, I constantly was telling myself, you're not really an entrepreneur. 
that's your husband. He's the ambitious one. You're not an entrepreneur. I had all those kinds of voices in my head. I had so much doubt and fear. And what I shared with you earlier about the opportunities continuing to be in front of me, I finally realized that that doubt and fear was not coming from God. That was not coming from God. And once I realized that, that that doubt and fear was actually holding me back from what he wanted me to pursue, I mean, that's when I started to learn, you got to let that go. You got to change your story. You have to, you have to let go of the fear, let go of the doubt and just do it afraid. Just do it afraid. But you've got to do it. I love that. That's going to be one of your quotes, Katie. Do so it why afraid. Can I be, oh, yes, please. Because why can I be such a cheerleader to you, Sarah, and to everybody else? Because I'm you. I know exactly what you were feeling. I know exactly what you were experiencing. I know exactly the trials and tribulations and the thoughts and the struggles and the late nights with the kids and the dirty diapers and the sick kids and the how can I travel when I've got four kids, all of that. I understand all of that. And so that's why I can speak to it so clearly and so specifically. So what if these uh, women feel like they do not have strong enough faith to do it scared, that they feel the heavens are closed, maybe a little okay. bit, okay. that they don't feel connected that way. Okay. Like we always talk about in the quest, like the next step, you've got to step. You've got yes. to. What do you think is one of the most important first steps when they get that idea and when those doubts start coming in? What do they need to okay. do? Okay. This is so good because when you get an idea, it's in your head. And in my in my language, I say that you've spiritually created it because it's in your head. It's there. It exists. But nobody can give you their opinion on it. Nobody can experience it, touch it, feel it, smell it, use it, find value from it because it's it's stuck in your head and it's it exists, but it's spiritual. And if you would truly like to see some momentum and acceleration to that idea, you have to manifest it physically. And this is something that I teach women how to do is how to take that idea from inside your head and into your hands. Because at that point, then it becomes real. It becomes real to you. It becomes real to the people that you're having conversations with. It becomes real to the people that you're inviting to use it and get their feedback on. At that point, you can start to see, oh, wait a minute, maybe I could do this to it. Maybe I could improve it. Maybe I could make changes to it. Maybe we could also use it this way. Until you get it out of your head, you can't do those things with it. And it's with it's the same if it's just an idea like a service that you want to provide for somebody or a physical product, both of them. Powerful people get it out of their head and into their hands. And for me, if, if it's not a physical product, then it's into a journal. Get it out of your head. Start writing your ideas down. Start creating it in some form or another so that you can begin to have conversations with people and you can begin to see it with your own eyes. I love this. This is so applicable. Like these these women like today are going to be changed because they know how to take a step forward, which is huge. One of the things I really want to be very open about is that when you were, I assume you were, you were at BYU when you had your first baby, right? No, I, I had actually completed college. You were done. Your husband was still there or who knows? I was done with school and had been married for a good year. A solid year. <laughs> a solid year. And then I was look like, okay, you. look at us. We're well on our way. Let's start a family. That's great. That's great. So, so in, was, it was two years into our marriage that I had my first. Okay. Two years into yeah. your marriage. So this is when you're looking at sweet baby and you're saying, okay, how am I going to do this? Like what, what else is going on here? I, I do know that one of the real spicy parts of your intro is that you have created a multi-million dollar international company. So yes. wealth is something that is part of your life right now. We're yes. just going to say it. I love it. But it wasn't always so. No. I have read your posts about rice and beans. I've read it. Yes. I know that you've been there. So what did a lack of wealth teach you? Oh my goodness. There are so many lessons and truly opportunities when you don't have the money to create what you want to create. Not having the money saves you honestly from making a lot of mistakes and it forces you to be extremely creative and 
innovative in your approach and in your process. So yes, in the beginning, we didn't have the money. We were literally living on rice and beans because any money that either my husband or I were making on freelance work was going toward um, the patent process of the product that we wanted to create, developing the brand and the company. It was just, it was all being poured into the company. And this and was I, for the Pudge Tub, right? This just was so for the Pudge knows. Tub. And this okay. was over two years. I mean, I was grinding one of those giant cans of wheat and making four loaves of bread a week out of that food storage that I had. So I, I totally understand not having the money, not having the resources. But first and foremost, you cannot let that stop you from taking action. You cannot let that stop you and say, okay, because I don't have money, what can I do instead? Like, okay, I don't have money to pay somebody to make me a prototype. I guess I can make it myself and I'm going to pull things out of the recycle bin to make a prototype for this idea that's in my head. And that's what I did. Because I didn't have the money. Not possible. Oh, totally. The recycle Absolutely. bin? Yes. Use your recycle bin. Use paper and staples. Use tape and poster paper. That is the best way to dial in your design. I'm. You're talking to a professional product designer. The best way to dial in your design, the quickest, fastest, cheapest way, is to grab packing materials, um, toilet paper tubes, poster paper, butcher paper, staples, tape, and start making your idea. Get it into your hands. Manifest it. Even if it's not functional, can you at least see proportionally the size, how it's going to work, and and if it bends in a certain way. This is, you know, my product, the Pudge Tub, was modeled after a brown paper sack. A brown paper sack. That was the inspiration for the Pudge Tub. A brown paper sack, it, nobody has to give you instructions on how to use it. You, I can hand it to you, and you know how to pop it open so it holds volume. You can use it, and then when you're done, you pop it closed, and it stores flat. That was the whole concept for the Pudge Tub. Multi-million dollar idea. Yes. Brown yeah. paper sack. Brown paper sack. The dude that probably invented a brown paper sack is probably also a multimillionaire. I don't know. Don't you think? You know? Who knows? <laughs> I would hope so. He'll be next I on the podcast. I hope did that idea. <laughs> I love, I love, love, love it. But how, how did this happen in less than a year? How did it happen? Um, that is well, fast. Okay. So the year was the time that I actually started selling the product. Okay. Yeah, that's when still I pretty say fast. Yeah. And it was fast, Sarah, because of the two plus years that I had put into it previously. I was, I was building a foundation. I was laying the groundwork so that when I put my product out there into the world and I did actually start selling it and exchanging money, it, it just took off super fast because of the foundation that we had built. Was there kind of a moment where you said, this is going to take off? Yes, absolutely. Do you want me to tell you that story? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been developing the product. Um, I took it to a trade show. I took our very first prototype to a trade show in New York, and I was super pumped because I was – I had other products that I was selling and I was with an LA rep who was bringing in big buyers from Pottery Barn, Target, like all the big players. And I was super pumped because I knew that my product, the Punch Tub, was a game changer. And so she brings the buyers in. I show them this prototype that we had spent a lot of time and energy making and it looked beautiful. Were you scared? And, oh, I was terrified. Oh, I was so terrified. I was pregnant Were you with like you were pregnant, pregnant with my third, pregnant <laughs> with my third. I was not a business person. They were asking me so many crazy questions. I was like, I don't know the answer to that one. Um, they were asking me questions like, do you carry insurance for this? What are your lead times? What are your minimums? What's your wholesale price? What do you retail it for? What does the retail package look like? On and on and on, Sarah. I was terrified. Did you just and say, I don't know? I mean, is that what you said? I, I did my best to answer them, and some of them I would say, if you give me your email address, I'd be happy to send you the answer to that. I did my best, but oh my gosh, I'm sure I did the worst botch job, and I'm sure it was very clear to everybody that I had no idea what I was doing. So at the end of that trade show, I come home, and keep in mind, we'd spent two years working on this product. We were in the process of getting it patented. It was like, this was going to change our life, Right. All we needed was the purchase orders. Came home from that trade show with zero orders. 
Not one person placed an order, Sarah. And I was totally devastated. Two years into this thing, living on food storage, we'd put all our savings and any money we'd earn over the last two years, like over $30,000, we'd put into this. And nobody wanted it. It was totally devastating. And I was completely defeated. I felt like the biggest failure. I was so embarrassed. Everybody knew that we were doing this thing, and I was so embarrassed. Why were you so stupid to think that you could do this? Oh, this is where I also get emotional. Um, why were you so stupid? Why did you think people would actually like this? Why did you think that people would think that your idea was something of value and would pay you money for it? I was totally devastated, and I came home in tears, looked at my husband, and I was like, you just need to go get a job. I'm going to forget this whole entrepreneur thing. Oh, and um, I'll just go back to just being a mom. Um, why, why was I so stupid? And fortunately, Sarah, I have an amazing husband who looked me in the eyes, and he said, Katie, they didn't say no. They just asked you a bunch of questions. We just need to answer those questions. And if we answer all those questions, then they'll buy it, right? And I was like, whoa, I don't know, but let's give it a shot. <laughs> and I could see in his eyes, Sarah, how much he believed in me. And in that moment when I saw myself as a total failure and I didn't believe in myself, I had one person who believed in me. And I had to just lean into that. And so that's what I did. I leaned into his belief in me and I was like, okay, I'm tired. I haven't worn a new pair of clothes in the last five years. <laughs> I'm wearing the same shoes I wore in college. I'm still feeding my family in rice and beans, but let's do this. Let's keep going. And that's what we did. We answered all those questions. I mean, was this like an immediate turnaround? Sorry to interrupt you, but was no. this like you got off the plane, you had a conversation on the way home from the airport, and then you were rejuvenated and ready to go? Or did you kind of break off from it? Oh, oh, I dry, drug my feet for a while. Absolutely. I really resisted it. But in my heart, and when I really was prayerful about it, I knew that wasn't the end. I didn't have all the answers. I felt like I didn't have any of the answers. But every time I turned to God, he would just say, keep going, Katie. Keep going. And I was like, but how? But what? I can't keep going. Like, I don't have any money. Like, can you just tell me what I need to do? And he would just, every time, keep going. And so that's what I would do. And yes, it was hard. Yes, it would bring me to my knees all the time. But I would just say, okay. And I would just try and find the next step. Okay, if I'm going to keep going, what's the next one step that I can take? Because I don't have a clear picture of how this all works out. I don't. So what but were some of those next steps to you like those little teeny ones in between yes. like what did those look like well they were answering the questions that all of the buyers were asking me so I figured out manufacturing I figured out um, whether or not I needed insurance which I did and I figured that out I figured out how to get it once I had money anyways I figured out a packaging solution I figured out what wholesale and retail needed to be I figured out all of those things and it was just one step at a time like Google how, how do you manufacture something? Really? Like, and Google wasn't even all that big back then. I mean, it, it existed, but it wasn't necessarily the thing that you would go to. I said a lot of prayers. I called a lot of people and I would say, can you help me with this? I need somebody who can help me cut out this material in, in like cookie cutter form. Can you help me? And they would say, no, I don't do that. And I said, great. Do you know somebody who does? And you kind of create this chain of, Okay, well, I called this person that I thought was an expert in what I needed, and he's not. Do you know somebody who is? And then I would call that person. Well, they weren't the expert, but they know this other guy who might be able to help me. And then I'd call that person. And he'd say, no, I don't do that, but Florence does. And they would send me to this person. And eventually, like the fifth, sixth, seventh person would be like, yeah, I can help you with that. And I was like, oh, thank you. Finally. It's, it's a lot of trial and error. It's so much trial and error. But you'll find as you go, you get better at it. You get better at finding the right person. You get better at asking the right questions. You get better at not taking no for an answer. And that's what I had to do over and over and over again. So you, you really believe in the entrepreneurial dream in the sense that, that an entrepreneur should be involved at every little 
step and every little detail in the growth of their business. So you don't have regrets regarding, you obviously do not do the manufacturing now, obviously. Right. No, I don't oversee that. No. Right. Of course not. You're now you're now at a point where you're we'll talk about the changes that have happened in the past year sure. um a little bit later, but are you glad you had that process? I know that sounds like kind of a cheesy question. No, not at all. But like I think Absolutely. a lot of people if they do have a little bit of disposable income are like, I'm just gonna hire. I'm just gonna hire. Like, what's your advice that way? Oh, well no. I mean if you if you have the money, hire an expert. But I'll tell you this. There are a lot of people out there who have a very beautiful resume, who can talk the talk, who can just make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Just hand me over all your money and I'll make all your wildest dreams come true. Just make sure you do your homework. Make sure that person is living a life of integrity and that they are honest and that they are somebody you can trust. And if there's something in your gut that says, don't trust this person, do not give them your money, Listen to that, Sarah. Listen to it. Even if everything else is pointing to yes and everything else is telling you, go with this guy, just trust him. If your gut says no, listen to that because that to me is, that is God speaking to you saying, I know this doesn't make sense, but I just need you to trust me and don't, don't listen to that guy. Don't give him your money. And you've clearly had an experience. (laughs) Oh, yes. We won't call anybody out. but. But to answer your question, you asked me like, do I regret having to do all of those things? Absolutely not. There are so many gifts and lessons in those experiences, in the struggle, in the pain of trying to figure it out, in the pain of having to find the answers. I learned my business inside out, forward and back, so that when it came time to hand that part of the business over, I knew exactly who that person needed to be because I understood that area of the business. That's the secret there. Yes, yes. Is so that you know exactly who needs to fill those shoes. I love, love Like in the very beginning, I was customer service. Why? Because I needed to know what people's concerns were. I needed to know what was frustrating people. And once I understood that and I could tweak and make the changes that I needed to make, I could easily hand that over to somebody else. Fantastic. Fantastic. So here you are making all of these little teeny changes, steps, contacting, whatever it may be, because zero people purchased your product at the trade show. Yes. Dot, dot, dot. And you would ask me, was there a point when I knew it was going to all take off? Yes. So you needed to hear that story because first and foremost, everybody fails. It's part of the process. It's essential to the process. And if you don't have those experiences of failure, and you begin to build this giant empire, it's going to some point, you're going to get a kink and it's going to start to crumble because you didn't learn those experiences that you needed to learn in the beginning. So just know that if you are really feeling frustrated, if you're struggling, if you're running into dead ends and you are really feeling like things are falling apart and you are failing, then you're on the right track. (laughs) Truly, you are on the right track because There are things that you need to learn in those failures. And if you just throw a pity party and feel sorry for yourself that it didn't work and you're struggling, then it, then you're not going to learn the lessons that you need to learn. And it's going to come back and bite you. Learn the lesson and move on. Just say, you know what? The adversity is there for a reason because I need to learn something. So I'm going to learn that and I'm going to move on. So that's what I did. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had plenty of pity parties. And I resisted learning the lessons and the finding the gifts and moving on. I resisted it so much. I had this story in my head of, come on, God, I'm living my life right. I'm doing what you told me to do. And why is it not working? Like, you owe me. I was mad. I was really mad. I'm, tr- I'm doing everything I can to be the mom that I need to be and grow my gifts and talents like you wanted me to. Can you just throw me a bone here? And, Absolutely. And it sounds like your husband was a real driving force here, that you relied on him a lot through the doubts, through the I'm feeling stupid moments, oh, yeah. all those things. So how, I mean, you've got guts, and sometimes, girl. Sometimes he was helpful and sometimes he wasn't. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> Welcome to the Honesty Podcast. Here we go. <laughs> sometimes I had to be the one to like wake him up. Yeah. 
but that's the beautiful thing about a partnership, whether or not it's a girlfriend or a husband. It seemed like every time I was down, he was up and he could pull me up and he could lift me up. And the times when he was down, I was like, come on, it's not so bad. Look at everything that we've done. Look how far we've come. You know, there's something about this partnership, like I said, whether or not it's your spouse or it's a girlfriend or just somebody who you really trust, you can kind of feed off of each other in a good way and, and balance each other. And so that's what we did. Did you fall into that partnership? I mean, I get the impression that the pudge thing was probably within your brain initially, right? Am I off base on that? Or do you feel like it's been a partnership from day one or like, I mean, some people are like, never work with your spouse, right? Isn't that cardinal sin number one? How did this happen? You know, it was kind of both of us, honestly, because we were both product designers. I really struggled with bath bath time. I hated it. And it was so tricky. And my pediatrician told me because my kids had eczema, I needed to be bathing them every day. And then putting shea butter and all kinds of good stuff on their body to keep in that moisture and I just really struggled with bath time. And he was like, well, if you hate it so much, why don't you fix it? <laughs> You're a problem solver. Why don't you fix it? And I was like, okay, I'll fix this problem. And so that's what I did. I just I made a list of everything that I hated about bath time. And I thought, what does the perfect solution look like in my mind? And I didn't know fact, form factor or anything, but like I just described it. I was like, okay, perfect solution isn't going to be hard to store. It's going to be really easy for me to set up. In fact, I need to be able to set up with an infant in my arms because I know as a mom, that's the reality. Baby's not just off doing its thing. It's in my arms. And so I was able to approach it from a way where I I understood and I knew the true problem. And um, to really speak to that, it wasn't because the existing bathtubs weren't getting my baby clean. That wasn't the problem. The problem was the existing bathtubs were super cumbersome. They were hard to store. They didn't cradle my baby. And so he frequently was just red and in tears, screeching because bath time scared him. And so I wanted to solve all of those problems and get him clean in the process. And that's what triggered this. And that is ultimately how the pudge tub came to be. It's incredible. So now, I mean, now you've obviously got the pudge tub, you've brought it to the trade show, you've shown people. So what's the And nobody bought it. Nobody bought that it. Part. Nobody bought it. I was a total failure and this sucks. <clears throat> so I learned from that and I, I started to really dive in. I was like, you know what? We're going to double down on this. <laughs> I thought we were poor before and I thought I didn't have resources before, but I'm into it so deep now that I'm like, I'm going all in. And, and at that point, that's when I took a giant leap of faith. I committed to a bigger booth at a different trade show. I decided I was going to create manufacturing overseas. I had, at that point before I was manufacturing in the US and I was like, okay, I'm going to take this overseas. <laughs> Again, money I didn't have, resources I didn't have, but I was like clearly getting a signal from God that keep going, Katie. Okay, I'm going to keep going and I just need your help and I'm going to do my best and see what I can figure out. And that was the direction that I realized the business needed to go. And so I needed to lower my price which required overseas manufacturing. I needed to get insurance, which required money. So I needed God's help in that process. And he sent an American Express to my house, which had a $25,000 limit. I was like, holy cow, I should not have qualified for this, but okay, we'll take this. (laughs) The reason that showed up, Sarah, the reason it showed up is because I was in action. That's why it showed up. And honestly, Amazing. I truly believe it was a gift from God. And yeah, it was, it was, but I, I had gotten into debt and I had had very little means before then, before it showed up. Does that make sense? Wow. Like it took that, it took that tremendous amount of faith before the money showed up. And did it show up in a form of an American Express at that time? Yes. Yes. It did. And you recognized it. Yeah, I did. Absolutely. It scared me. It scared the living daylights out of me, but. I knew that's what I needed to do moving forward in order to move it forward. Yeah, so I took that American Express and I took it to a trade show called ABC Kids Show. It's in, it was in Las Vegas. I got a bigger booth than I could afford, but I was like, I need to look legit. I need to look like the real deal and I'm going to do that. I built the structure of the booth literally out of things that were in my house and in my garage. And I just took 
end tables and bookshelves. And I just, <laughs> I just took this really inexpensive four by eight sheet that you can get at Home Depot for like 10 bucks. It's called shower board. And it basically is like whiteboard material. And I just cut it down and covered, I wrapped everything in this white glossy material. And I even just used double-sided sticky tape. <laughs> so I had this glossy white booth. When people came in, it was just this, I, I call it silence amongst the noise. I took an opposite mm -hmm. approach. You know, you go to trade shows and they're all about grabbing people's attention. Big graphics, lots of color, um, lots of video, and it's a lot of visual noise. And I was like, okay, we're going to do something crazy here and we're going to do the opposite. We are going to be silence amongst the noise. We're going to be pure white and a sea of multicolor. And it was terrifying because I was like, what if this totally backfires? What if it doesn't work out and we just are totally bland and boring? But I, w I knew I needed to get noticed and that was one way I was going to go for it. So we created this all-white booth, white floors, white walls, white logo on a white wall, white product on a white wall. It was just wow. everything was white and it was super dramatic. And as I was setting up the booth, I had so much doubt in my head, Sarah, so much doubt. Who do you think you are? Everyone's going to see right through all of this. They're going to know that you're just some stay-at-home mom who has no idea what she's doing, that she's shipping product out of her garage. Nobody's going to take you seriously. And you're going to go home with zero orders once again, especially when you consider everybody that was around me. The booths that were around me, were they had teams of construction workers. They were practically building a house hundreds of thousands of dollars in their booths. And I was literally popping up boxes that I'd shipped from Uline with packing tape, <laughs> hearing the tape gun being like, this is, you're so stupid. You are so stupid as I'm popping open these boxes. It makes me ache for you. My heart is like, oh, Katie, hang in there. <laughs> well, and then on top of it all, Sarah, I finally get it up. And I finally, like, I finally step back and I feel this peace. Wow, this is beautiful. This looks amazing. And it was not not just a couple minutes that this man pulls up in like a golf cart. And he says, hey, is this your booth? And I finally am proud of what I've created. And I say, yes, this is my booth. And he says, well, you're going to need to take this down. I'm the fire marshal. And this is a giant fire hazard. I was like, what? And no. It's Saturday afternoon. The show's starting the next day. And he's like, yeah, there's a Kinko's over there. You can go print a couple banners. It's fine. Not a big deal. But you're going to have to take down this, this whole booth because it was all made out of like paper and boxes. I'm about to cry. Long story short, my husband has a conversation with the man and he asks him some really powerful questions. And he says, okay, help me understand why this is a fire hazard. If it were able to be fireproofed, how would one do that? And the man says, oh, well, I think I know a guy who does that. Here, let me see. And he pulls up his phone, scrolls through. Oh, yeah, here he is. His name's Larry. Here, let me give you Larry's number. Give him a call. I think he might be able to fireproof this. <laughs> so, like, again, it was total failure, right? I could have thrown in the towel. I could have said this isn't going to work. This wasn't meant to be. I could have, which were all things I was saying. They were. But at the end of the day, I chose to keep going. And we found a solution. We found a way to solve the problem. And we had a guy who came and fireproofed the booth. My product, the only product I had to show for the, to the potential buyers who were going to come into the booth, it was stuck in Louisville, Kentucky. This was Friday before the Sunday show. I found out, well, I'll just tell you, I missed my flight to the trade show because I missed my flight. I found out that <laughs> I found out that my product was stuck in customs and they were not going to release it because it was not correctly labeled. So I didn't have product to show at the show. I get on the phone with customs and because I had missed my flight, I had a two hour window where I could get on the phone with customs to have a conversation with them and get them to relabel it. I convinced Sally to relabel it correctly. Thank you, Sally. This she podcast is dedicated to Sally. <laughs> yes, Sally. I talk about her all the time. She saved the day, but she was not interested in saving my day at all. No, it took a lot of sweet talking and convincing. She ended up overnighting it to Las Vegas and it showed up Saturday afternoon before the Sunday show. So like crazy, so many miracles, Sarah. And it, it constantly was like, okay, this is not a no. This is not a you suck and you failed. This is a, well, this is just another problem to solve. So let's solve this problem.
And so that's the approach I had to take. And it was a lot of learning. It was a lot of struggle. But ultimately, okay, so this is the part we've been building up to. So even though I missed my flight, even though the fire marshal told me to take it down, even though I didn't have product there for the show, like I solved all of those problems. Okay, finally, the show's starting. And very quickly, my booth is packed. And without realizing it, I was totally paralyzed by fear. So paralyzed. Oh, my heavens. Because I knew that whole story. I knew the craziness that had just happened in the last 48 hours. I knew that I didn't actually, that I had made the dress that I was wearing out of the three bolt remnant fabric that I found at Walmart. I knew that, that we didn't actually have manufacturing set up. I knew that the logo that looked cool on the backdrop was just hand cut with an exacto and that we had, <laughs> we had boxes behind it to, anyways, I knew all those things about me and I knew all the reasons why they shouldn't believe me, why they shouldn't buy my product. And I was paralyzed. I was totally paralyzed. I was taking bathroom breaks like every two minutes. But this is and, what you wanted. Well, yes, but I was so terrified. So terrified. Because people were liking it. They liked it, Sarah. They loved it. They thought it was amazing. They couldn't believe how cool it was. People were saying, wow, this is brilliant. I can't believe nobody's done this before. They were blown away. And I thought for sure... I was going to blow my cover. I was going to blow the cover. This they is so know. hysterical to me because I'm picturing you begging Heavenly Father to throw you a bone. Right. And here it is. And then you're skirting off to the bathroom every two minutes because you're so scared. I'm like, give me a picture. It's like, <laughs> wait, Katie, wait, wait. Okay. Here it is. Clear as day. So in this, you know, in hindsight, yes, it's hysterical, but... You need to understand where I was at that point. Everything was on the line. At this point, now I was another 25K in the hole. At yep. this point, I had set up manufacturing overseas, but I didn't actually have the money to pay them. At this point, I had a conversation with a man about getting insurance for my product, but I didn't actually have the money to write the check for it yet. Like There were so many things that I was hoping and dreaming would work out, but they hadn't actually happened yet. And I knew that I, I was just this mom with an idea. And like, that was my perspective is I was just a mom with an idea. I didn't actually know what I was doing. I'd never built a business before. I'd never manufactured something before. I'd never done all these things that I was doing. And I had so much fear that was just, it, I wanted to hide from all of it. I wanted to hide from everybody and anybody who came into the booth I would say, oh, sure, great. This is Diana. She's our, our global sales director. She can help you. <laughs> when I knew that Diana was just my best friend who was taking five days off work to come help me. She wasn't a global sales director. I, I knew that my husband and I and she, we were not getting paid to do any of these things. Like I knew that whole story and it terrified me and I didn't want anybody else to know that story. And so I was hiding. I was hiding from all of them. And so in this process my husband, who we have talked about, who's amazing, he pulled me aside and he said, Katie, what's going on? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, where's Katie? I'm like, I'm right here. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, where's Katie? And I was, I was fighting back the tears. Oh, I didn't want to be found out that I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't want someone to discover that I was a fraud. Um, I was so terrified of that. Um, and he said something so brilliant to me, Sarah. He said, everybody loves Katie. You don't have to be somebody you're not. Just go be Katie and ask them if they want 25 or 50. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can be Katie. I don't have to pretend that I'm some big businesswoman because I'm not. I can go be Katie. Okay, I'm going to go be Katie. And so that's what I did. From that point on, I was just Katie, and I wasn't trying to pretend I was something I wasn't. Does that mean then I was telling everybody, well, this is all actually not made yet? No, I didn't, I didn't share that stuff with them. They didn't need to know that. But I showed up as Katie at that point on, and I was friendly. I was excited to have a conversation with them. I was a true believer in my product. By showing up as Katie and just 
asking them how many they wanted, I was able to let go a lot of the fear, let go of the guilt, let go of the embarrassment, let go of the shame, because I was just going to be Katie. And I knew how to be Katie. I could lean on that. And that you were enough, that God had prepared you up to that point, gifts, talents, experience, failures, fear, whatever it may be, that in that moment, you were enough to make this happen. I was, absolutely. But if I'm totally honest, Sarah, I, I was not in that place personally. For sure. But, but again, my husband believed in me. I had girlfriends who believed in me. Even the people who were looking at the product who had it in their hands, they believed in it. They loved it. And so I had to just lean on all of that belief. And I had to learn to just let go. Even when I couldn't let go of my fear and doubt, I had to do it with the doubt and fear. Just do it afraid. And now a small break. A word from those who make this podcast possible. podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. Email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash entreport to get started. And now back to the Women With Fire podcast. So did they buy? Oh my gosh. Yes. Everybody who came into the booth placed an order. It was crazy. It was madness. Everybody who came into the booth placed an order. My husband ended up, go, like everybody who was in the booth kept asking us, are you going to be in Kindenugend? Which was a trade show that was on the heels of this Vegas show, but it was in Cologne, Germany. And my initial response was to be like, no, I, no, I'm not going to be in Cologne, Germany. There's no way. But my husband, again, who's a pure entrepreneur and a big believer, the thing that you have to do as an entrepreneur is you just say yes, and then you figure it out afterwards. That's, that's the thing that, that I've learned advice. from Very him, good. is you just say yes, and then you go figure it out. Even if you don't have the answer, you'll figure it out. You'll find a solution. And so it took me a long time to really put that into practice. But that's the lesson that anybody who's listening to this needs to know, is you just say yes, and then you go figure it out. So he said, yes, we're going to be in Cologne. And because he said that, because he put that into motion, Sarah, somebody showed up and said, hey, I've got an extra hotel room. You want it? Because the whole city was was sold out. He looked up flights one night, the night before, and he found a round trip flight to Cologne, Germany from Vegas for like $350. That's crazy. That's nuts. And he put it on the Amex, of course, but he got there. So he, he got a free hotel room. The, the guy didn't even want payment for it. He got a hotel room in the city that was sold out across the street from the convention center and a round trip flight. And he ends up going from this Vegas show where we sold to everybody who came into the booth. He then goes to the world and he, signed, he comes home with 25 distributors, international distribu- distribution. Within one week, we went from being nowhere to being in 2,000 stores in 25 different countries. That is insane. Because we said yes. <laughs> and figured <laughs> and it out. And then figured it out. Yeah. Wow. And I, yeah. I love this because I love how much of this is just mirrors how our faith is developed and how oh, yes. our belief in ourselves is developed. Just being able to say yes and figure this out. Do you believe God speaks to you? Yes. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. Even if it's a yes, question mark. Yes, I think I do. Oh, it's just so powerful. Girl, we got to have you back and you can do like four episodes. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is so inspiring. So 
I mean, the whole story is so marvelous. And you, I feel like you're so great at learning every step of the way. And the reality is, is there's no doubt you went from rice and beans to in all those stores and distributors. And those numbers are so impressive to this multi-million dollar international company. And then May 2017 happened. Mm-hmm. And what happened? I sold that company. That was my baby that I had created from scratch that, oh, this was obviously a hard experience for you or a tender one. Um, Maybe no, a tender it's experience. beautiful. Um, I sold the company that God helped me create. Um, but in that process, Sarah, I learned really early on. So I told you that you guys have all just heard that story of massive struggle. And then the following year, tremendous success. There's another story where a year into that tremendous success, I almost lost my company. Um, and I don't know if we have time to um, share that story. Uh, but in that process, I learned the whole time that he was leading me to create this company. That he was he was inspiring me to build this brand and create this company. And I finally felt like I was somebody, like I was something important and it was being ripped from me. And I was mad. I was so mad at him. I felt like finally it was starting to take off. I was being shoved off a cliff. Oh, in that moment, he taught me through some really sacred experiences. That it was not about the company. It was not about the products. It was not about me making something really cool and getting recognition for it. That's not why he wanted me to do all of this. Why did he want you to do it? The reason he was having me do all of this was so that I could become the woman he had designed me to become. And the company, the brand, the products, they were just a vehicle. And if that needed to leave, if that was going to be taken from me, it's fine. He helped me create that and he can help me create another one. Um, And so I learned a really important lesson early on that it was not about the company. It was about me becoming the woman he had designed me to become. And that this company, this product, this entrepreneurial experience was the greatest self-development course I would ever take. It was the greatest opportunity for me to exercise my faith. Every day I was stepping into the dark. Every day I had to lean on to the faith that I had that God was going to either give me the answers or what I needed was going to show up. Every day I was doing that. And and this company that I had created, it was the greatest opportunity for me to grow and develop my faith. And that's what it was about. And in May, um, well, honestly, two years before May, it was he was again at my back saying, come on, Katie, you're too comfortable. You need to be doing, you need to be connecting with people on a deeper level. And that's all I was getting really. And I was like, great. I, I felt like I was up against a cliff and he was at my back pushing me. And I'm, I, you know, I, I trust you, God. I'm, I'm on my knees. I'm praying. Just tell me where to jump and I will leap. I'm all about leaping. Just show me where I need to go and I'll leap. And I wasn't getting that, Sarah. And for two years, it was really hard and frustrating. Um, I want so badly to do what he wants me to do. I want it so much. And when I don't know what he wants me to do, I was terrified. I was so paralyzed. I couldn't take action. He wasn't telling me what to do. And... I had an experience that woke me up and helped me realize that he's given me agency and I need to choose. And that terrified me. You want me to choose? I don't know what I need to do next. I know that you want me to connect with people. How do I do that? So as you're sitting there and you're feeling like God has put you through the ringer a little bit, the failures, the huge successes, and then almost taking this away, something that was such, the great thing is you view your company as such a connective experience to deity, which I think is stunning. And I just admire your wholeness that way, that it wasn't my 
faith life and it wasn't my business life that like Mm -mm. the business life was yes connection with deity which i just yeah so profound i've heard you talk about that but for some reason this interview i'm just like it's like coming through the screen at me just gosh real deal katie real deal so you're sitting there and all you know is i want you to connect with other people and i know that our listeners when we quiz them about what they want to know about you and yeah. when they would ask you if they were as spoiled as I am to sit across from you, it's a good life, Katie. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> what they would want to know. Um, one one of the common things that comes up is they just feel like you are so, so self-assured. You're just confident. Mm-hmm. You just have such guts. So this is so good for them, I think, to see and to yeah. hear your struggles that way and that they they feel they don't know enough that they are not enough they're not capable enough they're yes all those they are not enough right they're there so what have you learned (laughs) what have you learned what do you do next um so i I don't you i mean sorry to interject again but i feel like the greatest thing the adversary can do is make us paralyzed oh yeah as women in the world if i can paralyze you and scare you, then no, no progress. Right. No progress. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, who's, who's speaking to us when we have, when we are listening to those doubts and those fears and we're holding back? It's not God. Like who benefits when I listen to that voice, when I hold myself back, when I tell myself I'm a nobody, who benefits? Nobody does. But who benefits when I take a chance? When I say, okay, I might not believe in myself right now, but my husband does. So I'm just going to lean on that. Um, When we do those things and we begin to put ourselves in a place where we can touch people in their lives, when we can serve people, we can help people, who benefits? Everybody does. Everybody does. And it takes that willingness to step outside our comfort zone. There's a phrase, I think it's President Kimball who says this, there's no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone. You've got to get comfortable with getting uncomfortable and taking action, stepping in the dark, doing it afraid. That, those are the biggest lessons that I've learned in all of this. And every time I do those things, that's when my faith grows. So can I be really blunt with you? Do. I feel like the reason people go, <gasps> when they hear that you've you've got a multi-million dollar company is because then they imagine themselves in the world of comfort. Mm. So this, I mean, isn't that like the whole view of why people, they want to retire on the beach and golf, right? Like, and so the, here's, those, yeah, what have you learned? Here's what the misnomer world? about money is there's something that's called chaos of abundance. The more money you have, honestly, the more you have to lose. It's really interesting. The more problems that come into your life, it get, life gets more complex the more money you have. It truly does. But on the same, at the same time, I am now a greater tool in the hands of God because I have greater resources. I have greater influence. I can, I can reach people on a deeper level because I'm not struggling so much just to put food on the table. Um, so how did you not, how did you not like seep in? I mean, maybe it was your, your husband's entrepreneurial spirit and you guys being such a great team that did, were you tempted to just, you know, crack your knuckles and, and lay back (laughs) and say, this is cool. Let's somebody run this. Like, but here you are saying, I want to connect more with people and I'm going to sell my company. And and you are being more personal. You are connecting with people. You are getting out there. You've, you're coaching, life coaching, all these things. So like, are you surprised that you didn't kind of just relax and stretch it out and try to enjoy it? If I had gone through this whole experience and refused to change who I am, refused to learn from my failures, refused to grow from all of these experiences, then that, yes, that's what I would have done when the money showed up. I would have bought a, bought a fancy car and fancy house and just like relaxed and just been comfortable. That's what I would have done because that's, that's what I thought I was working towards. But 
as I went through all of these experiences, as I had those failures, as I had those struggles, and as I um, finally started to see success in my life, I realized that I was not doing all this just to get comfortable. I was doing this to become the person that I already was, but I was masking her. I was covering her up. I was shutting her out. I wasn't allowing her to speak. I wasn't allowing her to lead. I wasn't allowing her to to um, share her truth. And this whole process, honestly, has been a shedding of my old self. And I still do it every day, Sarah. Like that's that's what I'm doing. Is when I say that I'm becoming the woman that God designed me to become, that He created me to become. It's about shedding my old self. It's about shedding old stories, about shedding what I think is the whole purpose and meaning behind what I'm doing. It's about really finding God's purpose for me and not my own purpose. And what is so fascinating about this, Katie, my heart is just beating um, as you're talking, is that the moment, I mean, you'd gone through all of this shedding and morphing and, and becoming who God wants you to become that in the moment there at the trade show that you can finally put it on display. That's what you want to hide is who you really are. Mm. That's so fascinating to me that you've gone through that whole process (laughs) and been refined and chiseled, so to speak. And then there it was. And I was still learning. Yes. And you know what, Sarah, Here's the thing I want everyone to understand. I still am. Like, I still have my struggles. I still have major struggles. I have big things I'm going after that scare me, that terrify me, that I'm afraid of. I still do every day. And if anyone thinks that they have arrived and it's time to just hit autopilot and you're on cruise control for the rest of time, I'm sorry, but that's not how life works. Um, And that's not where I find joy, honestly. It's not. It's in the struggle. It's in the hard times. It's in pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. It's in the darkness that I find God. This is the point. Yeah. I mean, you this look at the point. you look at any prophet in scriptures. Life was really hard for them. It was not easy. They were not on autopilot. They were stepping into the dark all day long, and that's where you find God. The whole, I, I just love that so much that so many have gone before that have shown this. And, and as we tie this into what we're teaching our women at Women With Fire, that, that the quest is very much switchbacks on the mountain, back and oh, forth, yeah. and the guides that you meet. And then, I mean, the ultimate destination is being closer to God and becoming who you want to be. But it's not through climbing straight up the mountain there. It is no. the switchbacks. And I feel like you've shared so incredibly beautifully what your switchbacks have been and and who you've met along the way that have inspired you and you're going to be really generous with our listeners i think you've got something to give them right yes you're spoiled rotten listeners this is super (laughs) cool katie tell us about it well i just want you you women who are listening i want you to know that i understand the fear i understand the struggle i understand the doubt and i understand the question of like well, what do I do next? I totally get that. And I just really, I truly feel blessed in my experience and my opportunities that I want to help you. And so I have put together this awesome workbook to help women just like you to create your big idea. I want, I truly feel that there's greatness inside of you. I know it's there. I know it's inside of you. And I want to help you get that out. I want you to help you shed your old self And I want you to find your big idea. I want you to find your million dollar idea. I want you to find your greatness and I want to help you do it. So I put together a workbook and I'm giving it away for free. I hope that's okay, Sarah, but I'm giving it away for free. You guys, this is nuts. Like people pay thousands and thousands of dollars (laughs) to work with Katie. So like, don't miss it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I do ask that you pay shipping, but it's, it's totally free and I want to help you in your journey. I truly do. It's a big part of what I'm doing at this phase in my life because I don't think we finally said it, Sarah. I sold my company. Like that's what I ultimately did in May is I sold my company and I am all in in this place where I can now help you on your journey and I can help you take the next steps. I can help you get clarity on what needs to happen and how you can build your empire and ultimately create the best version of you. 
And I want to help you do that. And so that's what this book is all about. Fantastic. So we will go ahead and put a link in the show notes for sure so that they can they that they can download that. We'll put it on our website. We'll send it out to our email list. I mean, it'll be on our Instagram, that whole thing. Yeah. So if you want, take me up on this offer because I want to help you. Please go now to katierichardson.com, K-A-T-I-E-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N. And I have a link there to my free guidebook. This is going to help you on your journey. It's really going to help you overcome the fear. It's going to help you get clear on the next steps that you need to take. And it's going to help you take action. So go to katierichardson.com and take me up on my offer. Fantastic. I'm excited to watch you work with our listeners as they create their next big idea and really in how they can shed their old self and become the person they want to be. So you've been amazing, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us today and for being on the Women With Fire podcast. Sarah, thank you so much. And I just want to say one last thing to everybody who's listening, that you can do it. You can do this. And I believe in you. So in those, oh, in those moments when you doubt yourself, lean on me because I believe in you. I truly do. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.